0: chapter 17 of naval occasions by Bartimaeus. this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter 17 farewell and adieu the junior watchkeeper paused at the corner of the street and smote the pavement with the ferrule of his stick lord he ejaculated to think this is the last night look at it all dusk had fallen and with it a wet mist closed down on the town the lights from the shop windows threw out a warm orange glow that was reflected off the wet pavements and puddles in the street the shrill voice of a paper-boy hawking the evening paper dominated all other sounds for a moment. evening arrold he called then seeing the two figures standing irresolute on the curb ran towards them evening arrold sir naval appointment sir to-night's naval point the lieutenant shook his head half impatiently then added as if speaking to himself no not yet it was such a familiar evening feature of life ashore in a dockyard port that hoarse yodelling cry one bought the paper and glanced through the columns over a gin and bitters at the club but this was the last night every familiar sensation and experience should be savoured in their turn they too went hence and were no more seen the young doctor at his elbow gave a curt laugh we shan't be very interested in the appointments to-morrow night jerry an itinerant seller of violets drifted down the pavement and thrust his fragrant merchandise upon them what shall we do first asked the junior watchkeeper let's go and have our hair cut and a shampoo i hate having my hair cut pleaded the surgeon never mind it's all part of the show you won't get another chance of talking football to a barber for years and that awful green stuff that he rubs in with a bit of sponge oh come on together they drifted up the familiar street pausing to stare into shop windows with a sudden renewal of interest that was half pathetic a jeweller's shop throwing a glittering white arc of light across the pavement arrested their progress i never realized before mused the surgeon how these fellows cater for the lovelorn naval officer look at those brooches naval crowns hat-pins made of uniform buttons bracelets with flags done in enamel d e a r e s he spelt out and broke off abruptly poof what tosh the other was fumbling with the door-latch half a minute peter there's something i've just remembered and vanished inside muttering the young doctor caught the words some little thing and waited outside the traffic of the street a fashionable shopping street in a dockyard town at 6 p.m streamed past him as he stood there waiting girls in furs with trim ankles carrying parcels or badminton rackets hurried along pausing every now and again to glance into an attractive shop window several tweed-clad figures shouldering golf clubs passed in the direction of the railway station one or two nodded a salutation as they recognized him little pigtailed girls with tight skirts enclosing immature figures of a class known technically as the flapper drifted by with lingering precocious stares the horns of the motors that whizzed along the muddy street sounded far and near they together with the clang and rumble of tramcars a few streets away and the voices of the paper boys dominated in turn all other sounds in the murky night air the man with the basket of violets shuffled past again and left a faint trail of fragrance lingering long after that night in the uttermost parts of the earth he remembered it and the half-caught scent of violets drifting from a perfume-shop in saigon was destined to conjure up for the surgeon a vision of that glittering street with its greasy pavement and hurrying passers-by and of a pair of grey eyes that glanced back for an instant over their owner's furs the junior watchkeeper reappeared buttoning up his coat sorry to have kept you waiting peter and fell into step beside his companion half an hour later they emerged from the hairdresser's establishment clipped and anointed as to the head now breathed lieutenant where to sawdust club said the surgeon they crossed the road and turned up a narrow passageway as they quitted the street a diminutive boy with an old wizened face and an unnaturally husky voice wormed his way in under the young doctor's elbow Errol, sir latest sir naval the surgeon slipped a sixpenny bit into his hand and took the proffered paper still damp from the press they entered a long vault-like apartment its floor strewn with sawdust and long counters and a row of wooden stools extending down each side behind the counters rose tiers of barrels and in one corner was a sandwich buffet with innumerable neat piles of sandwiches in a glass case the place was crowded with customers a bulldog sauntered about the floor nosing among the sawdust for pieces of biscuit as the newcomers entered several of the inmates perched on their wooden stools looked round and smiled a greeting aha last night in england eh huh? yes replied the junior watchkeeper. the last night he sniffed the mingled aroma of sawdust tobacco smoke and the faint pungent smell of alcohol good old pot house good old sawdust club dear dear curried egg sandwiches and a drop of sherry white wine what the officers drink yes a dock glass and may the lord have mercy on us and now said the young doctor a chop and chips i think a mixed grill substituted the other kidney and sausage and tomato and all the rest of it oh yes a mixed grill they entered swing-doors passed a massive commissionaire who saluted with a broad smile they're em for you inside sir he whispered jocularly to the junior watch officer wondering when you was a comin along sailin to-morrow ain't you sir together the last-nighters descended a flight of carpeted stairs and entered a subterranean electric-lit lounge bar a dozen or more of naval men were standing about the fireplace and sitting in more or less graceful attitudes in big saddle-bag armchairs. the majority were conducting a lively badinage with a pretty fair-haired girl who leaned over the bar at one end of the room she smiled a greeting as the newcomers entered and emerged from her retreat the junior watchkeeper doffed his hat with a low bow and hung it on the stand then he bent down, swung her into his arms, and handed her, like a doll, to the young doctor, who in turn deposited her on the lap of a seated officer reading the evening paper. Look what I found! With a squeal, she twisted herself to her feet, and retreated behind the bar again, her hands busy with the mysteries of hairpins. Hello, hello! Greetings sounded on all sides. A tall, broad-shouldered figure with a brown beard elbowed his way through the crush and smote the junior watch keeper on the breastbone. Dear sakes, where have you sprung from? I just come from the Persian Gulf, and it's a treat to see a familiar face. We're off to China again to-morrow, said the other, a half-suppressed note of exultation in his voice. China side again. Do you remember? the bearded one nodded wistfully do i not you lucky devils oh you lucky devils here molly the waiter sought them presently with the time-honored formula your grill spoiling gentlemen please and they took their places in the mirror-walled grill-room where the violins were whimpering some pizzicato melody a girl with dark eyes set a shade obliquely in a pale face seated at the grand piano looked across as they entered and smiled a faint greeting to the young doctor i think we're entitled to a voluntary from the pianist tonight," said the other presently his mouth full of mixed grill what shall we ask for the other thought for a moment there's a thing i don't know what it's called it's like uh, wind in the leaves she knows he beckoned a waiter and whispered the girl with a pale face looked across the room for an instant met the eyes of the young doctor then she ran her fingers lightly over the keys and drifted in descending "Rauschen." the surgeon nodded delightedly that's the thing good girl i don't know what it's called but it reminds me of things he munched cheerfully pausing anon to bury his face in a tankard of beer and they fell to discussing prospects of sport up the yangtze once or twice as she played the girl behind the piano allowed her dark eyes to travel across the crowded grill-room over the heads of the diners and her glance lingered a moment at the table where the two last-nighters were seated the first violin, who was also a musician, sat with a rapt expression, holding his fiddle across his knees. When the piece was over, he started abruptly. So abruptly it was evident that, for him, a spell had been broken. He looked up at the pianist with a queer, puzzled expression, as if half resentful of something. The young doctor was arranging forks and a cruet stand in a diagram on the tablecloth. There was a joss house here, if you remember, and the guns were there. The pigeon came over that clump of bamboo. The other, leaning across the table, nodded with absorbed interest. The lieutenant glanced at his watch. Come along. We must be moving if we're going to the palace. They paid their bill, tipped the waiter in a manner that appeared to threaten him with instant dislocation of the spine, and walked up the tiled passage that led past the open door of the lounge from her vantage behind the bar inside the girl someone had addressed as molly caught a glimpse of their retreating figures she slipped out through the throng of customers most of whom had dined and were talking to each other over their port and liqueurs into the quiet of the corridor jerry she called mr lord ejaculated the junior watchkeeper. i'd forgotten he turned quickly on his heel hello molly we're coming back presently but that reminds me he fumbled in his waistcoat pocket and the surgeon strolled slowly on up the steps round a bend and was lost to view the girl gave a little breathless laugh that's what you all say you boys and you never do come back you weren't going without saying good-bye to me were you no no molly of course i wasn't and look here old lady here's a gadget i got for you he fumbled with the tissue paper enclosing a little leather case the girl stood with one hand on the lapel of his coat twisted a button backwards and forwards jerry i i wanted to thank you 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 were a real brick to me that time it saved my life going to the sanatorium and i couldn't never have afforded it her careful grammar became a shade confused the man gave a little deep laugh of embarrassment "'Rot, Molly, that's all over and forgotten. No more nasty coughs now, eh?' Huh? He patted her shoulder clumsily. "'And mind you drop me a line when that fathom of trouble of yours comes up to the scratch and send me a bit of wedding cake. Here, hang on to this thing. No, it's nothing, only a little brooch. Good-bye, old lady, good-bye. Good luck to you, and don't forget to—' The girl raised her pretty flushed face and gave a quick glance up and down the deserted corridor. "'Ain't you—aren't you going to say good properly Cherry?' The junior watchkeeper bent down. "'Course. And another for luck. good dear. good The young doctor was waiting, with his nose flattened against the darkened window of a gunsmith's opposite, when the lieutenant joined him. His silence held a vague hint of disapproval as they fell into step. "'That girl—' he ventured presently isn't she a bit fond of you old thing the junior watchkeeper paused to light a pipe i-i don't think so peter not more than she is of a dozen others he glanced at his companion you don't think i've been up to any rotten games do you the other shook his head with quick protest but i like her awfully and she's a jolly good little sport they all are taking them all around in a naval port it's a rotten life when you think of it cooped up there in that beastly atmosphere year in year out listening to everlasting service shop or being made love to by half-tight fools their only refuge from it is in marriage if they care to take advantage of some young ass who else do they meet the marvel of it is not that a few come to grief but that so many are so jolly straight that girl to-night molly i suppose she has refused half a dozen n o s prefers to wait till some scallywag in her own class can afford to take her away out of it and i've heard her talking like a mother to a rorty midshipman a silly young ass who was drinking like a fish and wasting his money and health pub crawling she shook him to the core lord knows i don't want to idealize barmaids "'Perhaps I'd be better man if I'd seen less of them myself, but—' The surgeon gripped his elbow soothingly. "'I know, I know, old son. Don't get in a stew. And as for seeing less of them, it's hard to say, unless a man knows people ashore, and is prepared to put on his superfine suitings, and pay asinine calls when he might be playing golf or cricket, where else is he to speak to a woman all the days of his life? Dances?' i can't dance they had turned into the main thoroughfare and the traffic that thronged the pavements and roadway made conversation difficult the liberty men from scores of ships in the port streamed to and fro some arm in arm with quietly dressed servant girls and shop girls others uproarious in the company of befeathered women at short intervals along the street, a flaring gin palace or cinema theatre flung smudges of apricot-coloured light onto the greasy pavements and the faces of passers-by. Trams clanged past, and every now and again a blue-jacket or military foot-patrol, belted and gaitered, moved with watchful eyes and measured gait along the curb. As they neared the music-hall, the throng grew denser, on all sides the west-country burr filled the night softening even the half-caught oath with its broad kindly inflection men from the garrison regiments mingled with the stream of blue-clad sailors a woman hawking oranges from the curb raised her shrill voice thrusting the cheap fruit under the noses of passers-by a group of young stokers lounging round a vendor of hot chestnuts were skylarking with two brazen-voiced girls in the doorway of the music hall a few yards away a huge man in livery began to bawl into the night hoarsely incoherent the two officers mounted the steps together and as one obtained tickets from the booking office the other turned with a little smile to look down the mile-long vista of lights and roaring humanity the scintillant tram-cars came swaying up the street from the direction of the dockyard on either side the gleaming windows of the shops that still remained open the tattooists the barbers tobacconists the fried fish and faggot shops and the host of humbler tradesmen who plied most of their trade at this hour grew fainter and duller until they dwindled away to a point under the dark converging housetops a girl shouting some shameless jest broke away from the horseplay round the chestnut oven, and thrust herself, reeling with laughter, through the passing crowd. A burly marine caught her by the waist as she wriggled past, and kissed her dexterously, without stopping in his stride. His companion smirked appreciation of the feat, and glanced back over his shoulder. The watcher on the steps turned and followed the other up the broad stairway a man with a red nose and baggy trousers was singing a song about his mother-in-law and a lodger his accents were harshly north country and out of the paint-streaked countenance his eyes pathetic brown monkey eyes roamed anxiously over the audience as if even he had little enough confidence in the humour of his song the lieutenant leaned back in his seat and refilled his pipe ain't it wonderful to think that when we come home again in three years time that chap with the baggy trousers and the red nose or his twin brother anyhow will still be singin about the same old mother-in-law presently a stout underclad woman skipped before the footlights and commenced some broadly suggestive patter the audience composed for the most part of bluejackets and tommies roared delight at each doubtful sally she ended with a song that had a catchy, popular refrain, and the house took it up with a great burst of song. "'Hark, Adam,' whispered the surgeon. "'Don't they love it all? Yet her voice is nothing short of awful, her song means nothing on earth, and her anatomy, every line of it, ought to be in the museum of the Royal College of Surgeons. Let's go and have a drink.' they ascended the stairway to the promenade and passed under a curtain-hung archway into a long bar the atmosphere was clouded with tobacco smoke and reeked of spirits and cheap clinging scent from a recess in one corner a gramophone blared forth a modern ragtime and a few women clasped by very callow-looking youths were swaying to a one-step in the middle of the carpeted space behind the bar two tired-looking girls scurried to and fro jerking beer handles as if for a wager, and mechanically repeating orders. Settees ran the length of the walls under rows of sporting prints, and here more women, with painted lips and over bright watchful eyes, were seated at little tables. Most of them were accompanied by young men in lounge or tweed suits. Phew grunted the junior watchkeeper, what an atmosphere! Look at those young asses. Kumo at this time of night and we did at once peter lord it makes me feel a hundred a panting woman disengaged herself from her youthful partner and linked her arm within that of the young doctor boof she gasped i'm that aught deary stand us a drop o what killed auntie with a gallant bow the young doctor led her to the bar my dear madam he murmured a privilege and if you will allow me to prescribe for you as a medical man i suggest port and lemon prompted the lady she fanned herself with a sickly scented and not over clean scrap of lace ain't it doctor glad i left me furs at ome ain't you goin to have nothin the junior watchkeeper drew a deep breath as they reached the open street thank god for fresh air again he filled and refilled his lungs and so to bed quoted the other the taverns and places of amusement were emptying their patrons into the murky street raucous laughter and farewells filled the night yes the junior watchkeeper yawned and they walked on in silence each busy with his own long thoughts by degrees the traffic lessened until, nearing the dockyard, the two were alone in deserted thoroughfares with no sound but the echo of their steps. They were threading the maze of dimly-lit, cobbled streets that still lay before them when a draggle-skirted girl, standing in the shelter of a doorway, plucked at their sleeves. They walked on, almost unheeding, when suddenly the young doctor hesitated and stopped the woman paused irresolute for a moment and then came towards them with the light from a gas lamp playing round her tawdry garments she murmured something in a mechanical tone and smiled terribly the young doctor emptied his pockets of the loose silver and coppers they contained and thrust the coins into her palm and with his disengaged hand he tilted her face up to the light it was a pathetically young pathetically painted face wish me good luck he said and turned abruptly to overtake his companion the woman stood staring after them her hand clenched upon her suddenly acquired riches an itinerant fried fish and potato merchant homeward bound trundled his barrow suddenly round a distant corner the girl wheeled in the direction of the sound here she called imperiously here the echo of her voice died away and the young doctor linked his arm within the others there is a poem by someone note, John end note. i read the other day do you know it i must go down to the sea again to the lonely sea in the sky and all i ask is a tall ship and a star to steer her by he mused for a moment in silence as they strode along i forget how it goes on something about a vagrant gypsy life and the wind like a whetted knife and all i ask is a merry yarn from a laughing fellow rover and a quiet sleep and sweet dream when the long trick's over that's how it ends i know the junior watchkeeper nodded soberly yes but it's the star we need the most peter you and i it was early in the morning and thin columns of smoke were rising from the funnels of a cruiser lying alongside one of the dockyard jetties on her decks there was a bustle of preparation steaming covers were being laced to yards and topmasts. the boatswain full of strange oaths and of apoplectic countenance moved forward in the wake of a depressed part of the watch on the booms the carpenter was superintending the stowage of some bulks of timber packing cases were coming in at the gangway barefooted messengers darted to and fro there was a frequent shrilling of pipes and the hoarse voice of the boatswain's mate bellowing orders presently there came a lull and the ship's company were mustered aft as a bell began to toll then over the bared heads the familiar words of the navy prayer drifted outward into space that we may return to enjoy the fruits of our labours in the course of the next three years the words by reason of their frequent repetition would come to mean to them no more than the droning of the chaplain's voice yet that morning their significance was plain enough to the ranks of silent men a minute later with the notes of a bugle the ship boiled into activity again out on the straw-littered jetty a gradually increasing crowd had gathered it was composed for the most part of women poorly clad with pinched anxious faces some had babies in their arms others carried little newspaper parcels tucked under their shawls Parting gifts for someone. A thin drizzle swept in from the sea as a recovered deserter, slightly intoxicated, was brought down between an escort and vanished over the gangway amid sympathetic murmurs from the onlookers. A telegram boy pushed his way through the crowd, delivered his message of Godspeed in its orange-coloured envelope, and departed again, whistling jauntily the men drifted out into the jetty to bid farewell with forced nonchalance and frequent expectoration each man was the centre of a little group of relatives discussing trivialities with laughter that did not ring quite true here and there a woman had broken down crying quietly but for the most part they stood dry-eyed and smiling as befitted the women of a nation that must be ever bidding valet to its sons all aboard the voices of the ship's police rose above the murmur of the crowd farewells were over a hoist of flags crept to the masthead and an answering speck of colour appeared at the signal halyards over admiralty house asking permission to proceed said someone. The gangplanks rattled on to the jetty, and a knot of workmen began casting off wires from the bollards. Stand clear! shouted a warning voice. The ropes slid across the tarred planking and fell with a sullen splash. Beneath the stern, the water began to churn and boil. The ship was under way at last, gliding farther every minute from the watching crowd the jetty was a sea of faces and waving handkerchiefs the band on board struck up a popular tune in a few minutes she was too far off to distinguish faces on the forebridge the captain raised his cap by the peak and waved it somewhere near the turf-scarped fort ashore an answering gleam of white appeared and fluttered for a moment the lines of men along the upper deck the guard paraded aft the cluster of officers on the bridge slowly faded into an indistinct blur as the mist closed around them for a while longer the band was still audible very far off and faint after a while the watchers turned and straggled slowly towards the dockyard gates end of chapter seventeen